We thank you for choosing us. We thank you for accepting us. We thank you for liking us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of access. We thank you that the lines are falling onto us in pleasant places. We thank you that we cannot be disadvantaged in this life. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst in our discussion. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Uh, we thank God for another opportunity to continue to share fellowship in His work. And tonight is our second episode of our first series in our new year, <laughs> and we are looking at rightly dividing the second episode, which from the title you can guess where it's coming from. Second Timothy two verse fifteen. Paul speaking to Timothy and speaking to us is saying that steady to show yourself approved. In fact, the first word is steady. So the Bible is meant to be steady, not to be bought and kept under your pillow, not to be downloaded on your phone. So the first question is having you steady in your Bible. <laughs> we leave that to the gods. So Paul is saying that steady to show yourself a proof, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And it's very important for us to appreciate this fact that truth is only truth when it is rightly divided. So an unrightly divided truth is equal to a lie. An unrightly divided truth is equal to a lie. That's how come people are using this same Bible we have been preaching the truth from to preach wonderful abominations. You'll be amazed all the theories people are coming up in this world one way or the other. You have a scripture reference for it. So the fact that people are quoting scripture doesn't necessarily mean that they are saying the truth. So even Jesus speaking to the disciples, he said that, I have so many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. So Jesus knew that just telling them truth was not enough because they would misplace this truth and it ends up becoming a lie. But they needed to be guided. So it's like um, going to the pharmacist. Maybe, you know, paracetamol is the truth. You need it for headache. Paracetamol will cure headache or will help you manage the headache. But until you know the right amount to be taken and the period to which you'll be taking it, you'll be doing what they call drug abuse. <laughs> so drug abuse is simply taking substances without a medical professional's advice. So in that is that the medical professional is the Holy Spirit. So the fact that you have medicine and you are taking medicine doesn't mean that you are doing yourself any good because until it is prescribed to you and they still and you are being told the recommended doses to take, you are doing yourself as much harm as if you are taking poison. So this study is all about helping us to move some things to put in place mentally in order for us to be able to rightly define the word of truth. And of course, it's not a conclusive study. It's what I'm sharing from the little I know. So uh, we started last week by looking at a little bit of history about the Bible. That was with our 40 authors 
first, there were 80 books through a little bit of history, and some names that are very important when it comes to the canonization of scripture or when it comes to scripture. One of them is Moses, he was very instrumental. Ezra and Nehemiah were also very instrumental in restoring the books, particularly of the Old Testament. And we have the Bishop of Sardis. But we ended up on 2 Peter 1 verse 20. And this is what it says. 2 Peter 1 verse 20 and 21 says that knowing this first, knowing this first. So the first thing you should know in order to rightly divide the word of truth is this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. The verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time. And prophecy, if you have listened to spiritual gifts, prophecy is simply a divine utterance. So it is simply saying or declaring things not out of man's initiative, but it's simply saying things because they have been divinely inspired. So it can be a song, it can be a preaching, it can be a word of knowledge. Anything that comes or any utterance of divine origin is a prophecy. So it's said that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke or speak as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit that told Moses, Holy Spirit that told Paul what to write and what not to write. And I emphasized last week that the Holy Spirit did not dictate to them, but he inspired them. Now dictate means that he sat Moses down and said, Moses write in, then Moses write in, then there, then Moses write there, beginning, no. God did not dictate the words to holy men, but God inspired them. Let me see, he told them to write about something. So it was left to them to use their own personality, if I should say, in writing or in expressing what they want to write. That happened particularly in the Gospels. We see different presentations of the same person and of the same life. The same person who lived, the same person, but you see four different angles. And you wear that everybody's personality, everybody's training, everybody's makeup influence their writing. Particularly when you look at the book of Luke, if you pay critical attention to the order of presentation, you will know it's a doctor or a highly educated person who wrote this thing. So likewise with every other book, they have the author's personality clearly expressed in their books. And the funniest of them is John. If you have read the book of John, you realize that in no place in the book of John, did he ever mention his name? And the only way John um, introduced himself is the disciple Jesus loved the most. Hmm. John was claiming a title for himself. And it's funny that Luke never recorded that John was the one that Jesus loved the most. John himself was claiming <laughs> that he is the disciple that Jesus loved the most. So throughout the, the letter of John, that's how he referred to himself. The disciple Jesus loved the most. The disciple Jesus loved the most. He was claiming the title for himself. <laughs> he just looked at that the Holy Ghost did not dictate the words to them, but he inspired. Then we ended up by saying that it was holy men. And the word holy simply means something that has been dedicated to something special. Holiness is not sinlessness. That's why a temple can be declared holy. A ground can be declared holy. And tonight we are continuing. The second thing, so the first thing was that this Bible that we are reading, these 66 books that we are basing our lives on, has nothing to do with man's will. Man was not behind it. Man's intentions or man's will was not behind it. It was all engineered by God and by the Holy Spirit. So the second thing, and obviously it's a derivative, if it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Word of God can only be rightly divided by the Holy Spirit. Now, 
And for us to be able to access a rightly divided way is that you must be spiritual. You must be a spiritual person. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 16. A very important scripture. And I read, But the natural man receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually descent. Spiritually descent. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Who hath known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow, this scripture, there's so much to say about this scripture. But then, the second thing, in order for us to rightly divide the word of God, is that you must be spiritual. And let me just put this in here. It's also part of the next point. The Bible says the natural man. Now, if you study the Bible, you realize that it has three ways of describing man. One is the carnal man, one is the natural man, and the next one is the spiritual man. The carnal man, the natural man, and the spiritual man. But Paul, in writing, uses the natural man. And I'll leave that one to you. But he said that the natural man receives more the things of the Spirit of God. Neither, because there are foolishness unto him. And this is the first thing that most of us need to appreciate. The Bible is not rightly divided, or God's word is not rightly divided using intellectual prowess. That is why the fact that you are a professor or the fact that you are you are well learned doesn't qualify you to access the truth in God's word. So don't bring in your academic powers in understanding the Bible. Of course, the role of mental capacity in rightly dividing the word of truth is important for get there. But then you don't base your powers or like you don't divide the word of truth just as you do with any other article or journal or document that is produced by secular people. That is why many of us are having issues. So many of them, they think this Bible is a disjointed thing because to them, they can punch so many holes in the Bible. And if you go on the internet and YouTube, you see so many of them. There are about 10 contradictions in the Bible, 100 contradictions. I can give you so many myself. But what they see as contradictions is actually a revelation. And let me just give you one. I'll say this one again. If you read the Old Testament, people like Moses, people like Abraham, the Bible clearly says that these people saw God. For Moses, we can say that he saw the back of God. But if you read the last statement written about Moses, the Bible said that and nobody knew God as Moses did. And God talked with Moses as friend to friend. And even when God was talking to Miriam and Aaron, that why did they speak ill of Moses? God told Miriam and Aaron that it's true that all of you hear from me, but the way I speak to Moses is not the same way I speak to you people. I speak to you people in mysteries, but with Moses, I speak to him plainly. Now, if you read Abraham's story too, when three men came to see him, the Bible said that one of them was the Lord, talking about, I think, Genesis 14, when Sarah laughed. So you see instances of people who have seen the Lord. Yet, if you go to the New Testament, in John 1, in 1 Timothy 6, 16, the Bible clearly tells us that nobody, John 1, verse 18, nobody has ever seen God before. That, that was John speaking. And when you go to 1 Timothy 6, 16, Paul also tells us that who alone has immortality, dwelling in an unapproachable light, which no man has seen or can see. Let me give you another so-called contradiction. When Jesus came in, I think John chapter 3, 
He made a statement that nobody has ever ascended up to heaven, but he, the son of man, he's the only one who has descended from heaven. So if no one has ascended, where did Elijah go to when he was carried away by whirlwind or by horses or chariots of fire? Where did they go to? When Enoch was caught up by God, where did he go to? So when you see, when you see things like this, using an intellectual mind, they are utterly foolishness. So the Bible is telling us clearly that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. If you are a natural man, you cannot know. Like when you read the Bible, it doesn't make sense to you. It cannot make sense to you. And then why can't it make sense to you? Because they are spiritually descent. That's the choice of words. I love the Bible. See, they are spiritually descent. Truths are descent. Let's see the meaning of the word descent as over here. But they are spiritually descent. Descent simply means to properly scrutinize something or to examine or judge something. So the Bible is simply telling us that these things are spiritually judged, not academically judged, not intellectually judged, not philosophically judged or whatever. The only way you can rightly divide the word of truth is when you are spiritual. And it goes on to that he that is spiritual judges all things, including the scripture. And that doesn't mean the judge doesn't mean pass um, a conclusion on the matter. No, but it means to examine something, to scrutinize something, to peruse something. That he that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judge of no man. Verse 16. For who had known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him? But to be how? Ah, this Bible is so sweet. You see, things like this are so sweet. But some of us, when we read it, in fact, we don't even see what it's saying. <laughs> and I'm really trying to be disciplined not to expose the scripture the more. Because it's just so nice reading it. There's so much truth loaded. But the next thing we need to know in order to rightly divide the word of truth is that you must be spiritual. You must be a spiritual person. You cannot be a carnal person. You cannot be a natural person. And what does it mean to be spiritual? Two things. One, it means to be alive in the spirit. And how are you alive in the spirit? Is by being born again. Because the natural man and the carnal man are men that spirits are dead. Because remember when Adam sinned, the Bible said, in the day that you eat of this, you will die. That's another scripture that if you don't spiritually examine it, you will say, ah, Adam did not die. Or the devil told the truth. Because these things, the only way you can know what is really talking about is only if you spiritually judge it. So in the day you eat this food, you will die. So what died? The spirit of man died. So any man who is still joined to the stock of Adam is spiritually dead. So the first thing to be spiritual, one, is to be alive in the spirit. The next thing, or what does it mean to be spiritual? It's not just to be alive, but it's to be active in the spirit. Romans 8, verse 5 to 9. A very, very powerful scripture. It says, For they that are after the flesh, hmm, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. The Bible is so interesting. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he explains, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Verse 8, so then they are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, 
but you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the born again Christian. So if you are born again, you are not in the flesh. So that the first thing that you need to be alive in the spirit. Is that you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. So the first thing is to be alive in the spirit. And Paul, so he's telling us that if you are born again and you have received the Holy Spirit, you have received his life. Therefore, your spirit man is now alive. But it doesn't end over there. The preceding verse, the verse 5, it says, They who are of the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. But they who are of the spirit mind the things of the spirit. So the next thing to be spiritual is to be active in the spirit. What does it mean to be active in the spirit? It means to mind the things of the spirit. It means not to focus on a mindset that does not focus on the things of the flesh. Your thoughts, the pattern of your thought life is very important. That is why, so for example, when you see people, how do you see people? The person who minds the thing of the flesh, when he sees people, the first thing he looks out for is the class the person belongs to. Is it from a rich background or a poor background? Which tribe does the person belong to? What's the person's social status? Which car does the person drive? What is the person's annual income? That's all that we think about. We mind the things of the flesh. But he who is of the spirit, when you see somebody, what do you see? That is why even in Colossians 3, Paul tells us that set your mind on things above. A person who is spiritual is a person who is spiritually minded. It's a person whose thought pattern is after the spirit. But if when you see people, or if when you encounter a situation, for example, when you have a job offer, what are the things you consider in looking in select which job do you go for? Most of us, the only thing we consider is which job pays the most. You are being carnally minded. When you are looking for a beloved, what are the things you consider? And that gives you an idea whether you are spiritually minded or you are carnally minded. If you have two offers on where to go, America or China or Russia or Yugoslavia, when you are looking to make decisions, what are the things that inform your decision? And trust me, people's minds are so carnal. When they see you, the first thing they recognize is what car do you drive? It will shock you. Even among pastors, when the church member comes, the first thing is which car the person driving. When they realize that the person is in a good car, ah! You will start shepherding the person like never before. And you'll be amazed. There are some ladies, if they see a guy in a car and in a suit, oh my God, the least said, the better. That's because they only mind, they are only conscious of the things from the flesh. But a person who is active in the spirit is a person whose consciousness is of the spirit. You think about spiritual things like the word of God. So the psalmist says in Psalm 1 verse 2 that, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this he meditates day and night. What are the things we meditate on? And you tell that Charlie, you are carnally minded. Mercy, you are carnally minded. Throughout the whole day, you never think about the scripture. 
maybe a scripture you read. In fact, you don't even read the Bible, you don't even know scriptures. So throughout the whole day, as I said, okay, let me not even jump. It's part of the things that I'll be saying. So let me not. But you need to be conscious of the things of the Spirit, like the Word of God, like the Holy Spirit. Can you hear when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? When you're about to board a car and the Holy Spirit says, no, don't pick this car, can you hear it? How do you judge people? So you remember in 2 Corinthians 1, he said, the spiritual man judges all things, yet he himself is judged rightly by no man. The spiritual man judges all things. You need to be spiritual. And this is why you cannot do away with prayer, because prayer is a spiritual activity. That's why whenever people ask this question, the Bible reading or prayer, it just lets me know the level of understanding of the person. Because these two are inseparable. You cannot be a man of the word and not be a man of prayer. It's impossible. What are you praying? It's like you have been a lawyer without having the constitution or without having the law. What are you defending? So you see, when people ask this question about the Bible or the word of God, which one is more important than which one? It's, it's, it's a redundant question. It's, it's neither here nor there. Because how can you be a lawyer without knowing the law? It's the same thing because prayer is simply like a law case, bringing God's word back to you. Now you don't know any word. What are you bringing back? And vice versa. You can't be a man of the word without being a man of prayer. Because constantly you see scriptures like men always ought to pray. You see scriptures like, and Jesus continue fervently in prayer. You see like continue fervently in prayer. And you see, this is one reason why many of us, even though we are active in the spirit, or even though we are alive in the spirit, when we read the Bible, many of us don't understand this because we are not active in the spirit. You must be a man of prayer. So immediately you take the Bible to read. It's not now you are come to utter some words and invoke some presence per se. You are already alive and active in the spirit. Your answer is always raised up. So immediately you open the Bible. Within seconds, within minutes, you are already receiving from God. But because you are spiritually dull, you can read the same scripture over and over again and you just don't seem to make head or tail about it. You need to be a man of prayer. So Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And what is the house of God? First Corinthians 6. Your bodies are the temple of God. So when God, when Jesus was saying that my house shall be called a house of prayer, he was not just talking about the building of the temple. I was talking about our bodies because now we have become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So God is saying that you must be a house of prayer. You must pray in the morning. You must pray in the afternoon. You must pray at midnight. You must pray in the evening. You must be constantly in prayer. That is when when you take the Bible, it's as though like the, the, the truth just keep coming because your spirit man is active. And this is why many Christians many Christians find the Bible so boring and so confusing and so non-juicy. See, the reason that I'm reading a scripture then, something I didn't even intend on talking about, I just noticed another portion. I'm like, wow, when I was preparing my notes, I didn't even notice this. So every time you take the Bible to read, the same portion of scripture, you keep seeing you keep seeing new things in that same verse. It's like the worship in heaven, in Revelations 4, 
when they bow down, when they say holy, 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 they lift up their head, they see another level of his glory, and they cannot but bow down when they are in worship. So I would say this same Bible, we have been preaching from this Bible for thousands of years, and we are still not done preaching. This is six books. And we will not be done. There's so much to learn. You must be spiritual. And Matthew 13, verse 11, where Jesus talked about the parable, and the, the disciples came to ask him their meaning. And he said something very interesting. Matthew 13, verse 11. He said that he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. So they came to ask him, why is it that he speaks in parables to the people? But to them, he makes it plain to them. And Jesus was telling man, I said, the reason why I'm speaking in parables and mysteries unto them, but for you, I'm explaining the parables and speaking plainly is because to you, it has been given as every person who is a member of the body of Christ. To you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You must be able to read and understand the Bible because to you, it has been given. To you, it has been given. Understanding the word of truth is not reserved for the papas or the mamas or whichever category of people you are involved in. As long as you have expressed faith in Jesus Christ, as long as you are making that daily conscious effort to walk with God, to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Studying about rapture is not difficult. Studying about Trinity is not difficult. If you consider Trinity, if you consider rapture, if you consider the Holy Ghost, if you co- whatever you consider as a mystery, Jesus is saying that to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To you, to you, to you, you listening to me. But most often, whenever we see a scripture, if we come across, let me use the word, if you come across a scripture, the first thing we do is to send somebody a message. Do you understand what this means? Do you understand what this means? Do you understand what this means? I'm not saying it's not good, but there's a place for it. Its role is secondary. Many Christians, the only thing they know or the only understanding they know from portions of scripture is what their pastors tell them. So if you give them a scripture that preach something from this scripture without quoting a sentence from your pastor, <laughs> Or from your man of God, or from your prophet, or from whoever you, however you call it, you still are in trouble. So many the times, these people, when they are placed in situations where they have to derive and quote revelations themselves from the word of God, they are in trouble. They can only preach what they have heard. They can only share what they have heard. They themselves are not able to take the scripture, open the Bible, open John three sixteen, and derive your own truth from this verse without making reference to anything your papa or your mama or your man of God or your father or whoever has said, and you find many Christians wanting. We are not able to rightly define the word of truth because we are not active in the spirit one and we are ignorant of the fact that unto us has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Trinity is not difficult. This all the fantastic things we think are difficult, you'll be shocked that if only you would activate, if only you'd be alive and active in the spirit, you'd be amazed that ah, so was this the scripture that I was reading and was so so tiny. <laughs> I was saying stars unto you it has been given to know. Let's take about one or two more things for us to know. In order to rightly give the word of truth, let's take the second one. It's very short. 
is that we read for understanding, not from our understanding. The only way you can rightly divide the word of truth is if you go with the mindset of going for understanding, not going from your understanding. Many of us, we have a certain ideology, a certain information, and we go and look for scriptures to back what we know. Many of us, we are looking for scriptures that conform to our life, that conforms to our mindset, that conforms to our way of life. And because of this, we are not able to rightly divide the word of truth. When you open the Bible, you must open it willing to learn. Your life must conform to the Bible or the truth of God's word, not the other way around. But because many of us, like, you have an idealistic gambling is right. You don't see anything wrong with gambling or with playing bets. So when you are going, you are having this ideology that you are looking for scripture references to support you. That's one way we do it. Second is that we already have had an understanding of a scripture. Let's say you heard somebody preach. Let's say Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. And maybe you heard us discuss it in our episode on who told you. So that's the only understanding you know about it. So when you are going, you are just going there with this understanding in your mind already. You're going to confirm what you have heard. That's true. If you have heard someone or something and you want to confirm, that's not true. But that's not the mindset by which you rightly divide the word of truth. You go there with your mindset that what is the Bible saying? You don't go there from your understanding, but you go there for understanding. You want to understand the concept of marriage. You don't carry your ideologies from your culture, your ideologies from your training, your ideologies from your parents' words, your ideology from society. And go and look for scriptures that conform to your ideologies. No, you go there with a blank, blank check, with a blank page, go to study from ground zero. That is why Jesus said, unless you become like a child. And one thing about children is that they know that they know nothing. They come, they're willing to learn. You must have this mindset and you must accept what the word of God says. And this one part that many of us find it difficult to say. To rightly divide the truth, we go for an understanding and whatever understanding you discover, you must accept it. If God says you are forgiven, honey, you are forgiven. How difficult it is for many of us to accept that God doesn't remember our sins no more. How difficult it is. Because we have an understanding that, hey, how can God forgive me just like that? Just saying, Father, I'm sorry, and that's all. Just saying, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm born again. Just that. <laughs> but that's what the Bible says. If that's what the Bible says. You accept it wholly. If the Bible says you are blessed, sweetheart, you are blessed. If the Bible says the love falling onto you in pleasant places, accept the word of truth. But because we already have our own mindset, when we go and we don't find a scripture that confirms it, we try and interpret it. So this is what Peter was saying. We have what our private interpretation of scripture. Then we go and look for the thing to conform. So that your life is to do the conforming, not the other way around. And the last one we will take, I think, for the sake of time, is that we need to pay attention to details when we are reading the Bible. We need to pay attention to details, particularly, in fact, in both, you need to pay attention to details. No statement in the Bible is useless. No statement. 
No phrase in the Bible is useless. No clause in the Bible is useless. No word in the Bible is useless. And when you understand this thing, you will notice that every every statement made carries a depth of truth inside. I've quoted the scripture before, Romans 5, verse 14, talking about Adam. It says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that are not sinned after the sins of Adam's transgression. Comma, who is the figure of him who was to come? That last sentence of the verse carries a depth of truth that will revolutionize your mind, that will revolutionize your life. It said, who is a figure of that who is to come? Explains a lot. So you must take particular attention to clauses, to the choice of words of people, to the choice of words used in scripture. Because that sentence, that word, that phrase, gives you a whole lot of information. The things that were said, even the things that the Bible was silent on, should give you a ton of revelation. So because we just slide and glide over these things, we are missing a lot of truth. The thing that the Bible was silent on, sometimes you can see some cold silence, and the Bible is quiet on it. It should give you an idea. Something that the Bible emphasizes, it should give you an idea. Everything, every word should give you an idea. That's why mostly when you read the Psalms, you see the word seller. So maybe after two or three scriptures, you see the word seller. Seller simply means pause and think calmly about this. Because the Psalms know that you would just read it, maybe. He that born the secret of the most high shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He shall declare the Lord. We just read it like that. But the psalmist takes the pain and says, "Seller, he said, pause and think about it." He's letting I I was not just inspired to write this thing for writing's sake, or because the Holy Ghost has given me assignment. It should be thousand words. <laughs> Maybe I do five hundred words. <laughs> but that's not how it is. So if I think for the writer, every line I write, I write seller, 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 seller. Because every line, every sentence, every construction, there's a depth of truth in it that you must pause and think calmly about. You must pay attention to the details. This is the way you understand the scriptures. Because when you pause, that's when the Holy Spirit will begin to communicate things to you. You begin to guide. You say, pause. Have you noticed this? Pause. Have you noticed that? Pause. Have you noticed this? The Bible is silent on some things, or some parts. The Bible just goes really silent, like right? doesn't explain further. We should ask ourselves why is the Bible silent over there. And as we look on the other things, you it will be making sense holistically for you. So one of the first things is that you must know that the Bible is of divine inspiration or divine origin. It's not by the will of man. The second thing you should know is that you need the author of the Bible, or you need the author of this book. One of my spiritual instructors says that the only books that you read that the author is beside you to explain to you is the Bible. If you have a novel by any of your favorite novelists, if you are reading at a point, you don't get what the things can say. You have to use your own imagination. But God did not leave us to our own imagination. Private interpretation says no. The author is beside you. And only when you are alive and active in the spirit, then you'll be able to know this thing. The third learned is that you read for understanding. You read for your life to conform to the truth. You read to align, not the other way around. 
You don't go with your ideologies about titan, with your ideologies about giving, and go and look for the scripture to confirm. No, you go and say, what is the Bible saying about this? Clearly. And whatever you see, you should accept it. You should accept it. God says you are his masterpiece. Accept the reality you see in the Bible. And the last one for tonight is that pay attention to details. So I think I'll say, sell sell the Bible. Ask yourself, why did the Bible write? There are so many examples to give us. We are looking, we'll be giving more examples. We would just like to pause over here. And we just want to pray that Father give us the patience to study. Because Paul says, study to show. The thing is that the Bible needs to be studied. But that's our issue. We have time to study engineering. We have time to study medicine. We have time to study celebrities' life. We have time to study football clubs. We know the history of this club. We can we know when this club started, how many trophies they have won. They attract. We have time to study all oh, every other thing but the Bible. You cannot gain much. You cannot learn to rightly divide the word of truth. You cannot. It was only when you sell her that God can pinpoint that I said this because of this. To pray to God, the Father grant us the grace to be patient in Bible study. We are in a hurry too much in this life. We are in a hurry to go and press our phones. We are in a hurry to go and watch that series. We are in a hurry to do every other thing. And this is robbing us from getting the energy to sell her, to sit down. Some people say the New Testament is boring for them. They like the Old Testament. When we contain stories, they want to read the stories. But even the stories, look at the choice of grace. Look at the scenarios. Father, we pray for grace. Help us, Lord, to pay the price of studying. Help us, Lord, to pay the price of waiting in your presence. Help us, Lord, to pay the price of pausing and pondering about things. Because we know that the spirit of truth has come. And he is to guide us into all truth. For the natural man can receive not the things of God, including revelation. For they are foolishness to him. But the spiritual man can, because they are spiritually descended. Father, we thank you that unto us has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for being around us. Now, just in our second year, let me just feel free. If you have any questions, any contribution, any comment, any suggestion, you can find us on Telegram, the household of the Father, or any of the podcasts channel that you listen to just let us know so that we can to inform the way we should prepare and come and share with you remember to give god your very best and make sure that in this week and beyond you owe no man nothing but love see you next week and bye-bye bye